everyone is a stranger before they become your friend. (laughs) So in reality, you literally have to make someone a friend before um, you can do business with them or you can do anything with them. So what I like to do is build rapport. Like in the way you could build rapport is this is something that I try to tell people all the time. I forgot where I read it, but um, you want to use the Ford method. Like you want to basically ask people, okay, you know, about their family. Do you have any kids? Do you have any um, grandchildren? If you see, if you're looking at a property and you see pictures of kids in their house, (laughs) you know, you want to ask them about that. Mm. The other one is, so I'm going to go into detail. So Ford is family, occupation, recreation, and dreams. So you're talking about their family. You're going to talk about their occupation. Just recently, today, I actually talked to a seller and I wanted to know, you know, what did you do for a living? And she told me she was a dentist. Okay, what dentist office did you work at? Okay, I worked at this one over here. Oh, well, I went to school over here. So there's a connection there, mm-hmm. right? Um, recreation, what do you like to do when, you know, when you're feeling good or what do you like to do for fun? Things like that. And your dreams. So when you sell this house, what, you know, what is it exactly do you want to do when you sell this house? What are you going to do with the money? You know, so it's all about those kind of things that get people um, into talking about everything else but the house. You don't, you know, in the beginning, when you meet someone that you're trying to get to know, let's say you want to, you, let's say you're dating and you want to meet someone, you're not going to say, hey, give me your number. <laughs> you right. know, you're going to say, hey, how are you? Where are you from? Just like we built rapport before we even started this uh, podcast. Yep. So you definitely want to build rapport because everybody likes to do business with people that they like. Hey, turn me up some. Gotta get your brain right if you're trying to make a million dollars. If you ain't gonna do it for yourself, then do it for your mama. Only stay surrounded by them people if you know they solid. Elevate your hustle up today to double up your profit. Trying to learn some game, Xavier, y'all gonna talk about it. No, Deanna, speak that shit that everybody vouches. Ain't no more excuses valid. Get up off the couch and get up in your bag. To your bank account, need an accountant. I study millionaires cause I was born a visionary. You still believe in limitations? Why you acting scary? You can't distract me from the paper I've been Chase of greatness. I'm stacking now and balling later in the conversation. We strategizing, monetizing, piling up investments and sacrificing temporary sh- for bigger blessings. Yeah, a tapped in boss mind state. I multiply my grind rate and I match the way I vibrate. Gotta get your brain right if you're trying to make a million dollars. If you ain't gonna do it for yourself, then do it for your mama. Only stay surrounded by them people if you know they solid. Elevate your hustle up today to double up your profit. Trying to learn some game, Xavier, y'all gonna talk about it. No, Deanna, speak that that everybody vouching Ain't no more excuses valid Get up off the couch and get up in your bag To your bank account and then account it This episode is sponsored by Bees She is the creator of the Gifetize app And the author of the Financial Starter Cake book Bees works in the defense industry As an overseas contractor after years of studying financial literacy and investing, she is now financially free. The Financial Starter Cake comes with a free money allocation spreadsheet and gives you all the resources that you need to take control of your finances today. You can purchase the book at financialstarterkit.com. If you want to learn more about the defense industry and how to obtain a stable, high-paying career in the States or overseas, you can purchase her Defense Industry Guide at 
www.defenseindustry.guide. Also, for more information, you can follow her on Twitter at capital underscore SB. So what's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Millionaire Mindsets Podcast. I'm your host, Xavier, sitting here with my co-host, D. Hey, everybody. And today we got a uh, super dope guest. I'm excited to bring her on. I see her doing a lot of dope things. I, I super be dope. <laughs> I'll be seeing her do some things on Twitter. She be, she be snapping. So I'm like, yeah, let me let me bring her on the show. And her name is Millie. You guys might know her as I am Millie Estate on Twitter. She's an entrepreneur and a real estate investor. So welcome to the show. Appreciate that. Appreciate you guys for having me. I didn't think I was big enough to be on this show, Millionaire Mindset Podcast. What y'all say? Four hundred thousand views, yeah, List, uh, listeners. Four, four, yeah, four hundred thousand downloads. Wow, that's that's amazing. You guys got to keep going. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. You, 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 you your name fit the show, so we, we had to do it. Oh, okay. I, all right. So, okay, so I'm doing something right. I'm doing something right. <laughs> But but to get right into it though, for the people who are not familiar with you, do you just mind giving a little background of yourself, just saying like how you got to where you are right now? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so basically, um I graduated college. I went to college for psychology. Um, graduated, literally didn't know what I wanted to do. I did know I wanted to make money, um, as I'm pretty sure a lot of people do, but right. I didn't know what exactly what like what steps do I need to take? Like, how can I get to the level of some of these people that are millionaires, billionaires on the Forbes list? Like, what did they do? So, you know, I just started researching and the same old story, you know, real estate would just come up consistently in terms of people that weren't rappers, singers, um, actors, and things like that. So I ended up looking up different like books, success books, boom, rich dad, poor dad. Like that's like the, holy grail of the, mm-hmm. the mindset change. So I read that when I came out of college. So now my mind is pumped. Now I'm like, all right, so I understand that assets pay for your liabilities. I understand that, you know, um, people are working as slaves, you know, until you, uh, they're working themselves into debt. I don't want to be like that. So basically my friend, my close friend, one of my uh, friends from college, he graduated. Uh, a year before me and he would like literally post these checks like all from you know flipping houses all from doing real estate people don't know this uh crazy trick that i'm doing like he would just post these nice spots ten thousand dollar checks obviously i'm like what are you doing (laughs) Mm -hmm. you know i want to get on the wave that that you're on so he was like okay i'm having a class so he hosts the class and he talks about wholesale real estate so at first obviously i didn't think it was possible i'm like how I'm just going to get someone to sell their house to me and I don't have no money. (laughs) You know, it just doesn't, it didn't make, it didn't click to me. So um, that year, that was 2016. And that was the year that I graduated. I went to his class. So basically I researched that whole entire summer on wholesale real estate, uh, working with him, learning uh, a few strategies, kind of being his bird dog a little bit, just sending him properties. And he's showing me what, you know, what I could do. So from that, I didn't really take any action. Like I just was playing around being one of those analysis paralysis uh, type people Mm -hmm. just learning and never really taking my own action until 2017 came. And then I've sent out my first mailing campaign. So I sent out my first mailing campaign. I had an owner that wrote back that called me and said, I want to sell my house. Now this entire deal was just 
trash <laughs> basically like basically the the, the uh, basically the man he wanted 60,000 for the house the reason why he wanted 60,000 for the house it was actually a duplex at the time it was really worth 40,000 so he said look in order for me to clear off all the liens he had a lien from a car like I don't know how he used his house as collateral to buy a car <laughs> so that was $10,000 then he had a $10,000 tax lien and then he had a $40,000 mortgage. So he said, in order for me to move this house, I need to sell it at 60,000. Mind you, it's worth 40, but I didn't think it was worth 40. I just knew I wanted to put something on the contract. I didn't know anything about what it was worth. All my information that I learned, it just went out the door. <laughs> like I just was hyped to finally get a deal. Mm -hmm. So um, I put them on the contract and I'm marketing to sellers. I mean, marketing to buyers, excuse me. And all these buyers are like, no, I'm offering 30, 40, you know, 45. So I go back to them. I say, you know, I can't really sell this house. Can you try to negotiate the liens and things like that? Cause that's what actually, that's what my friend at the time, he told me, he said, see if the guy can get some of his liens negotiated. Um, so then we could get it at a new price. So I did that. Make a long story short, the house ends up, ends up um, selling at an auction so that was a whole dead deal. But through that deal, I actually collected a lot of buyers. Mm. So a lot of buyers um, that said, hey, you know, I can't buy this deal. But if you have another one, let me know. Um, that was all in my database. And I didn't have like no real database. I just like had them all in my phone because <laughs> I would post the property on like Craigslist um, and on Instagram. So I just collected a lot of data from from buyers from me having that one property. So from that, I made a lot of relationships, right? Mm -hmm. I even made a relationship with someone that is my business partner to this day, which I'll talk more about later, but um, he's a cash buyer. And once I closed my first deal, I actually closed my first deal with him. Um, and then whenever I had a deal, like a wholesale deal that he didn't want to buy or he couldn't buy, he would say, hey, I got a couple other buyers to, to send this to. So just from that one property that, I failed from, I actually failed a lot of buyers from that one property. So I started off in real estate, technically just wholesaling mm -hmm. and, and, and just uh, finding properties for buyers. And, and then I created relationships where now I'm flipping property and I'm also uh, fixing up my first rental right now. Okay. Yeah. And that's people that's, uh, that's usually like how people first wholesale deals go. Like most stories I hear is usually like pretty much, the deal is not that big, but just getting that experience, even if it's bad, that experience mm -hmm. is everything. Yeah, exactly. Like I had like that year before I closed the first deal, I actually had like six properties on the contract and literally none of them closed. <laughs> I actually closed on two of them two years later in 2019, but um, after, you know, years of follow-up, but because I had the lack of experience right. and I just didn't run the numbers right, it just didn't make sense for them to close. So, um, at first, you know, I kind of had some bad deals and it took me for buyers to tell me, look, this deal won't work because of X, Y, and Z. So I was learning from the buyers. I was actually a sponge every time I would, um, I would, every time I would fail on a contract. And, um, hearing that, I know that's a big problem. Like many new wholesalers have is like not knowing how to properly analyze the deal. Mm-hmm. You don't have to go super in detail, but just can you let us know like what are the major things they should be looking for, and like what's the proper way to analyze the deals to know like all right, if this actually is this actually going to be profitable? Yeah, exactly. 
So for one, you definitely want to make sure that um, the property, like for one, you want to make sure that there's activity in the, in the area. So mm. like for me, we got, we have several zip codes. Some zip codes are better than others. Now, I'm not saying that if a market is slow, you can't wholesale in the market. I'm just saying like, you want to make sure that buyers are buying in that area, not just, you know, fixed up properties are being sold. You want to make sure you see properties that are in bad condition being sold because that means that they're eventually going to be fixed up and turned into um, flips or rentals. So you want to make sure there's activity, first of all, then you want to monitor the activity. So if someone's new and they're looking at um, a specific market, they want to see, you know, how many houses are being sold within a week, whether they're flips, what is the rental comps looking like, um, and basically what are the as-is prices. So like here in, in Philadelphia, I'll speak from this market, let's say in North Philadelphia, right? Let's say I'm a new wholesaler. Well, let's say I'm trying to show a new wholesaler how to um, analyze a specific deal. The easiest, one of the easiest ways that you can do that is literally just look at what the as-is value of a house is in its current condition. So if I have a house that's what we consider a shell, something that you know you have to do a full rehab on, if I'm looking on a block in North Philadelphia and I'm looking at a shell to to wholesale, and I see two other shells on that same block or on the other block sold for twenty five thousand. I know that buyers are buying shells in that area for 25,000. Mm. Like you should, that should be one of your basis, not even the ARV times 65%. No, you should literally be looking at what are houses selling in that current condition. If you know, it needs a full rehab and you can tell when a house needs a full rehab, mm. it, it just looks like, it looks <laughs> like trash. So, um, so I, I would say first base it off of what are houses that need work, um, are selling for it in its current condition because that's what buyers are buying at. Right. So if it's at twenty five thousand, I'm gonna negotiate with the seller at fifteen, at ten, at a lower rate. So then I know that I'm capped out at twenty five. So like they always say, you want to make profit at the buy. Yeah, at the buy. Yeah. So I do have a lot of wholesalers that try to make it work. The sellers say they want fifty thousand and they're not budgeting, but you know, other houses are selling for 25 it just won't work you know th those deals i just i might give them an offer still but i just kind of walk away but you definitely want to look at um when you're analyzing a deal you definitely want to look at the the as-is value if you're new just to try to monitor that activity and just monitor what the after repair value is to just to see um if there's enough uh profit because if the after repair value is like fifty thousand, sixty thousand in certain areas, that's like really low. You know, you might want to look at rental comps. It's not a flip. So I I'm not gonna get into too much detail about it because <laughs> I know it gets so confusing, but I would just recommend that somebody look at what a house is selling in its current condition. All right. And something um that you spoke on was negotiating with the seller. And I feel like that's mm -hmm. You know, I talked about enough, you know, people say just go wholesale the house and all that. But a lot of people don't put enough effort into actually learning or mastering negotiation. So can you just give our listeners a few tips and tricks on how they can, you know, get out there and like really negotiate with sellers to get good deals? Yeah, of course. So for me, one of the most important things with negotiating, and I'm sure you guys know this from your real estate experience, is building rapport. Like right now, me and you, um, you know, we, we have, we don't know, we haven't met each other, 
but the friends you have or people you know on social media everyone is a stranger before they become your friend (laughs) so in reality you literally have to make someone a friend before um, you can do business with them or you can do anything with them so what I like to do is build rapport like in a way you could build rapport is this is something that I try to tell people all the time I forgot where I read it but um, you want to use the Ford method like you want to basically ask people okay you know about their family do you have any kids do you have any um grandchildren if you see if you're looking at a property and you see pictures of kids in their house you, you know you want to ask them about that mm. the other one is so i'm gonna go uh into detail so for it is family occupation recreation and dreams so you're talking about their family you're going to talk about their occupation just recently today i actually talked to a seller and i wanted to know you know, what did you do for a living? And she told me she was a dentist. Okay, what dentist office did you work at? Okay, I worked at this one over here. Oh, well, I went to school over here. So there's a connection there, Mm -hmm. right? Um, Recreation, what do you like to do when, you know, when you're feeling good or what do you like to do for fun? Things like that. And your dreams. So when you sell this house, what, you know, what is it exactly do you want to do when you sell this house? What are you going to do with the money? You know, so it's all about those kind of things that get people um, into talking about everything else but the house. You don't, you know, in the beginning, when you meet someone that you're trying to get to know, let's say you want to, you, let's say you're dating and you want to meet someone, you're not going to say, hey, give me your number. <laughs> you right. know, you're going to say, hey, how are you? Where are you from? Just like we built rapport before we even started this uh, podcast. Yep. So you definitely want to build rapport because everybody likes to do business with people that they like. Like all my sellers, they actually like me. Like they'll call me <laughs> and tell me, hey, what you doing with that coronavirus? <laughs> you know, like, how are you holding up? So um, that that's first and foremost. You want to build rapport. The second thing you want to do is you want to gather and extract information. Basically, you want to find out why the person wants to sell their property if you're wholesaling. So um, by gathering information, the main thing that you have to do when you gather information is ask questions and you listen. So all you have to do is ask and ask the right questions, right? So if somebody tell you, um, you know, if someone says to you, I'm ready to, I'm ready to get rid of this house like today, you're going to say, why so, you know, why are you ready to get rid of this house so fast? Like, what's the rush? You know, you just got to ask the right questions. Um, and then just listening. So the entire time they're telling you their problems, just let them keep going, keep going. Obviously, you don't want to be on our call with someone that won't sell to you. But if someone is telling you their problems, you want to really listen and not even act like you know what they're going through. You just listen to what they're saying, like, wow, okay. Like, you're just making little um, gestures as they're talking. Mm. So I would say building that rapport, gathering information so you can find their pain points, um, and then listening, just shutting up. I, I think people right now, wholesalers, they're so hyped to get the deals and the contract, or when they talk to a seller, they're so hyped to how much how much you want for the house when in reality you don't even know why they want to sell you have to find out why they want to sell to you why do they need you so i think mm. that's really important mm. and that, that's some game right there and that all like all those things like that's why i like real estate so much because it's not like you have to have some superpowers or some like super skills you got to go to school to learn like these are really like basic people skills that you have to understand that anybody could learn 
if they're willing to learn. And you can yeah, exactly. Apply it. Exactly. I feel the same way. It's, it's super basic. It's literally just talking to people. Mm-hmm. I know that guy, Brent Daniels, he says that all the time. And that's exactly what it is. Just literally talk to people. So um, that's what that's what I believe. Um, yeah. For negotiating, that's what you could do. Because eventually, um, if you keep extracting information, this this the other thing I was going to say, too. When you're extracting information and you're a- a- asking questions, excuse me. So let's say they tell you... Um, I need to sell this house right now. And then when you ask why, they say, because, you know, I owe 10000 in taxes. They're going to take my house. Whenever you go to negotiate to present your offer, you're going to present everything they told you. <laughs> so mm-hmm. literally, like, when they say, when you give your offer and they're, like, complaining about your offer, you're going to say, well, remember, you did tell me that you owe back taxes. They're going to take your house next week or, you know, whatever the case may be. So, I think it's truly important to not just extract the information, but relay that same mm-hmm. information they tell you when you're presenting your offer. Mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah. And I also want to um, kind of piggyback on what you were saying earlier too, when you make that initial contact is, I know there's a lot of scripts out there for wholesaler, wholesalers and all that. And, you know, it's great to follow those but don't get so caught up in it. Like just as yes. say, be yourself, like show your personality. Because I know it's like a million other people calling them, following the same scripts you got and what's really going to make mm-hmm. you stand out is your personality and you as a person. Exactly. I mean, check this out, right? I'll say something. So right now, a lot of people are doing text messages, right? Mm-hmm. What people don't realize is that the carriers are blocking the text messages that say, certain words that pertain to real estate so if you send out a mass text message and it says do you own you know one two three main street or are you the owner or i buy houses cash boom automatic block so it's getting to the point where you really have to be natural when you're talking to people even when you're doing text messages because the carriers they're going to block you automatically and a lot of people don't know that right now they're using the same old scripts but you're using the same old scripts you're gonna you're not gonna um you're not gonna prevail well, I know that, but it makes sense. Mm-hmm. It makes sense because people, yeah, you probably get people complaining. People getting dozens of messages a week. They're probably like, I'm tired of this shit. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. yeah. Straight up. Straight up. You know, once the old people start complaining, it's over. Right. It's a wrap. <laughs> they start complaining because they be having connections and shit. They, they, exactly. <laughs> they tell a friend, tell a friend, next thing you know, it's over with. Exactly. And they <laughs> taking it right to D.C. Now they lobbying to get right. the old text messaging done. <laughs> Straight up, straight up, straight up. Mm-hmm. Something I wanted to uh, go back on, though, that you kind of talked about was like you really was just summing up like relationships. And when it comes to relationships, like well, I think what a lot of people forget when it comes to relationships, the root word of relationship is to relate. So to get, exactly like, like what you were saying earlier, to build a relationship, that starting point is to find where's the relatability at, find what y'all can relate to. Then you just build on top of that. Because mm-hmm. somebody that come from complete opposite background or philosophies as you everybody got at least one thing that they can relate to mm-hmm. it's just your job to try to find out what that is and then like i said you just build on top of it yeah exactly it's literally all about asking questions over and over yep that's, that's mm-hmm. good. and another thing too i think people underestimate is making making jokes like when i used to go on appointments a whole lot i used to just make little jokes here and there about certain little things and you know i would just have the seller laughing because you like people that make you laugh. I know I do. Like the right. same way, you know, we're laughing right now. Right. 
I mean, that's that's just the way it is. So I think nature. make. Would you say? I said that's just human nature. Yeah, human nature. So I think that's important too. Mm-hmm. So uh, let me ask you this: With everything that's going on, as far as like the pandemic and all of that, do you? How do you feel about continuing to wholesale during everything that's going on? Do you think it's something that's still gonna continue to be profitable, or do you think you know things are gonna change as far as how it's done? Yeah, I think it's definitely feasible because um, and profitable. Um, because people are obviously going to go, going to go through more problems, excuse me. So, um, they'll need wholesalers more than ever. And even though so many people say, you know, buyers can start marketing themselves, they still don't do it. (laughs) And some, a lot of my investors, they like, they still, my business partner, he, he is my partner with this whole wholesaling thing. He can't stand doing the marketing. (laughs) So, so, um, and he's a cash buyer. So it's like, there's going to be so much um, inventory that even if there's a lot of inventory, there's still going to be so much opportunity for wholesalers to, uh, to, to make a lot of money. And there's a lot of wholesalers that have been wiped out, obviously, you know, some gurus are, they're gone. So um, there's a lot of opportunity for people to step in and help a lot of people that are, you know, facing foreclosure or taxes or things like that. Now, the only thing I just want people to remember when they're wholesaling in a time like this is to always remain ethical because there's a lot of people that are um, going through a lot of things. So you definitely don't want to take advantage of people. Um, Obviously, like me, like what I love to go after is like absentee owner, vacant houses, like things like that where they don't have no real attachment. Like when it comes down to people living in a home, it gets a little sticky, you know what I mean? So um, I, I personally, I'm not trying to go after houses where people are living in, their families in there, and they're facing foreclosure, and, you know, I'm trying to push them out. <laughs> I'm not trying to do that. That makes sense, though. And mm-hmm. uh, I, want, I want to talk about this. This is something that I feel like this is super big and uh, popular topic right now, and that's, like, working – working, having your job and doing your entrepreneur endeavors on the side. And that's something mm-hmm. that you like doing right now too, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You talk yep. about that, that balance, like how, how does someone maintain that? Cause that's a common, like I said, people ask that question all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think one of the key things right now um, is instead of like, for, so for me, I work for a university, right. And I work in an office, I'm an administrator. So um, oh, by the way, you know, universities are taking a big hit, as everyone's talking about. <laughs> mm-hmm. So um, basically, I work in an office setting. So it's pretty fl- uh, flexible. Um, if I need to answer my phone, I can answer my phone. If I need to walk out um, to take a call or send a text, I can do that, which is great. You know, that's why I still have my job. Um, the other thing is, it's just not in a five. You know, I don't work at three to 11 or, or you know, any other hours. But um, it's still, even if I didn't work the hours I worked, I still would be able to do it. Not just because I know I could do it, but I also know people that do this with me that they have jobs too, right? So first and foremost, it's not about, you know, I don't want people to think, oh, I need to manage my time. Not really. You really need to manage your priorities. Mm. You know, you need to manage what's important to you. And a lot of people say things are important to them, but they're really not. Like, I can literally sit here and say, oh, I want to lose a certain amount of pounds. But if I'm not really putting in the work, it's not important to me. 
So it, it's really all about um, prioritizing. Like for me, uh, when I when I was by myself before I had a team, um, I basically like during my lunch break, I was making calls. When I got off, I was making calls. Um, early in the morning, I was sending follow-up texts. I was doing little things on all my free hours. Um, and I was sacrificing like Netflix and hanging out with with my friends and things like that just so I can get a deal now this was on my own now i'm a little bit more flexible because i have a team mm -hmm. um a small team i don't want to say it's like a big team but a small mm -hmm. team so <laughs> my small team basically um i now once you when you partner up with people now the responsibilities are lifted off of you because now you have someone that is going on appointments now you have someone that are that is doing the calls you know but when you're first starting out you definitely want to prioritize um, yourself, you know, yourself and what's more important. Um, some people say they want to close a deal, but they really don't because if you really want to do something, you'll get it done the same way you want to finish that series on Netflix, you can get it done. <laughs> so, um, I think it's all about, uh, managing your priorities. That's mm. what I think. I agree. Cause like I was, I don't remember who said this, what I was reading. Someone was saying how, like you said, most people say their problem is time. They don't have enough time. They was just saying how like the reality is, we kind of do have enough time, it's just that we don't use our time effectively. Like, you know what I'm saying? We'll waste 30 exactly. minutes here. We'll waste an hour to two hours there. It was like, if you wasn't wasting none of your time and prioritizing, like you just said, like you would get so much, so much more things done. If you got a job and you're trying to do entrepreneur, you definitely got to manage your time wisely. Cause like, mm -hmm. it, but it's so easy. Cause I, like I've been there myself. It's so easy for when you get out of work, you feel like, man, I've been at work all day. I'm tired. Oh, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> definitely. It's like, oh, forget this. <laughs> right. Like, man, I've been you know, I'm, I'm, I'm talking heavy now, but it's definitely times where you'd be like, all right. <laughs> <laughs> no, facts. Like, facts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Any, but any, you know. Go ahead. You go ahead. Oh, yeah. But you know, um, the the worst thing is is the people that are you know as we call the cappers the one that say they putting in so much work and yeah. and they ain't doing you know just be honest yeah. you know just be honest, <laughs> like we you would be lying if you would say you an entrepreneur nine to five and you say you get off your job you just putting all those hours in everything. exactly like it's probably a small percentage of people that do but everybody didn't have those times and they just been like man fuck it yeah exactly <laughs> exactly I ain't, I ain't doing nothing so that's exactly. That's real, but as long as you like, like I say, as long as you like, you know what I'm saying. You're not always in that phase where you like, I ain't mm -hmm. doing. That. As long as you kind of, mm -hmm. you know, making strides and continue to improve, and you'll be, you'll be cool. Yeah, that's how I feel. Mm -hmm. um, and you know, a lot of us, like even me, like I've had times where I was in a real slump where I just, it just couldn't, I just couldn't push past yeah, certain things. Yeah. yeah, you know what I mean. Mm -hmm. So, um, and I ain't even gonna lie, when this COVID nineteen situation hit. I was a little bit stuck too, you know what yeah. I mean? So my, I'm all in my head, like, what is going on? I already have a job. My job is calling me. It's, it was a whole lot going on. But, you know, I locked up a deal before we um, got on this call, so. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to post the DocuSign when, I, uh, when we get off. So. <laughs> yeah. Nah. And uh, you mentioned you was, a, like, I ain't even uh, tend to go on this, but let me ask you this. You mentioned you were working administration for a school. Like, how that's been 
looking with COVID, like with, with, with students of COVID. I, said COVID. <laughs> I was just about to laugh, like, hey, hey, hold hey, up. Hey, every, every, every episode, every episode, I, I'll say some, some shit that don't make sense. So that was, that's, 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 so my, one, that's my one right there. Wait, hold on, real, real quick, before we get into that. Where, are you two from Northern California or? No, 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 no. I'm from Chicago. I'm from Cleveland. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. We met. We met. <laughs> <laughs> What'd you say? I was gonna say your accent is really heavy, but where did y'all meet? Go ahead. No, we we met in the, uh we was in the military and we met out here. We was in the Air Force. Oh, okay, so perfect, perfect. Here, so, yeah. yeah, his his accent more uh stronger than yours, D. <laughs> I can't even hear his accent. I can't either. I never thought I, I people tell me that I'd be like, what accent? <laughs> you hear that Chicago slang come up. Yeah, I guess so. I guess yeah. so. <laughs> yeah. so you what were you you were asking yeah, me about the I, oh I was asking about you, the school. I was just saying mm-hmm. like how how much has been affected with like the students or staff. Yeah, so um I'll talk a little bit about um basically so Right now, the problem is, okay, enrollment is okay, right? Okay. Now, the problem is a lot of universities got their money from housing. <laughs> so, like, they got a lot of their money um, from, the room and, from the room and board. Like, they'll spike up the room and board every year, and they'll get tons of money for it to fund other projects. Now, my university um, had to disperse millions of dollars back into um, – back to students uh reimburse them excuse me so that put them in a hole and then they was already in a hole (laughs) so so you know it's a it's a problem but the the main thing is their room and board events a lot of people book events through universities um if they're not getting that event money you know they're not uh processing those funds a lot of students had to go back home to their original country. So we don't even have the international student money. Um, Mm -hmm. Like they might've took a semester off. And then some students, they just took some, you know, some enrollment is still fine in our area, but there's still students that um, had to take semesters off because they're taking care of their family. Um, They lost their other job. So they got to take on another job. They lost one job. So they got to take on another job and they can't go to school. So, cause we get those concerns. So there's there's definitely a lot of issues right now with the university. There's questions of, are we going to go back for fall 2020? If we do, how are students going to be placed in the classrooms? Because if we have to be six feet away from each other, how many people can fit in the classroom? Like, there's so many questions right now. That's crazy. You know, with the university, with the university. So, um, yeah, definitely they in the, they're in the hole. I, you know, I can't talk about how much the numbers but they're sure. in the hole for sure. I can see. It. I mean, me mm-hmm. and Deanna and I, we both in school right now as well. And we don't go back to, they canceled the in-class stuff till fall. So we, oh, okay. Been, all right. Hope, and hope, hopefully they cancel fall. Shit. <laughs> look, look at you guys. You guys been chill. <laughs> yeah, right. All right, all right. All right. But yeah, that's, that's crazy though. But, mm-hmm. And they say, they say, I've been seeing a lot of stuff where they say we probably not going to do any more like live big events for the rest of the year so yeah Crazy. that's definitely yep that's definitely cut off but it really is like i thought this has just really been an eye-opener just seeing how mm-hmm. 
it's a domino effect. Like one thing affected so much stuff and they're just continuing to do it. And then just the uncertainty of everything. And I feel like this is a perfect time for people to sit down instead of, you know, panicking and stressing out and worrying about everything, but reevaluating the plan and figuring out that was perfect. Yeah. It, ain't, it, ain't, it, ain't, it ain't gonna last forever just just for the people that may be struggling this gonna yeah it's gonna, it's gonna pass they ain't just gonna exactly pass. and it's like people were like oh you know this is recession proof but now you're thinking it's something pandemic proof right <laughs> hey, that's, hey that's some real shit right there that's a whole yeah. different topic because like yeah man, like 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 people a lot of people expected a recession but it's like this is Pads, this is some whole other. This shit. is yeah, this is so whole other. Just <laughs> right, what like, you said, just there, because yeah. now in my but it, the beauty of it for me now it's like I know for a fact when another thing comes, um, I know where I need to be. Like, right. like you know, you got to be cash heavy. You you cash know, you have heavy. to have reserves. Your expenses have to be low. Like mm-hmm. that is the golden rule right there. And you know, all the gurus that we know the good ones (laughs) they already been talking about it and it's like this is showing that how important even in a pandemic how important it is and that that demand like when we we've been we've been saying that for for like as long as we've been doing this show just make sure you live below your means Mm -hmm. like i know it was gonna be this drastic but i mean like that like this like this crazy for real but the thing about it though that i kind of that it is i think helpful is like it lets it confirms like whatever theory you got, whether it's good or bad. Yeah. Like if you put a theory on like this, is what I'm gonna do, this gonna work, and your stuff taking a hit right now. Now you know like, all right, I'm gonna mm-hmm. pivot. But if you still winning right now, you still getting money. You know like, all right, this is my bread and butter. This work in a pandemic, mm-hmm. working the recession. Like I'm still yep. with. So, That's exactly true. That's exactly yeah. true. You know. Like it will separate exactly from what work and what doesn't work. That's so it true. Work. Yeah, because there's a lot of people. Like I talk to a lot of people that's like that's losing money right now, losing out on hella bread. And I'm like, mm-hmm. you know, try something different. Or, you know, I, believe it or not, before this, right, right before all of this hit, I was looking at a space to start an event space. Mm. So, <laughs> so yeah. you know, imagine yeah. that. Yeah, imagine. And listen, and the person. You know, the person, um, I could have gave them the price that they wanted, but I wasn't budging because I just thought the price was too high. So I kind of walked away from that deal. So imagine if I ag- actually acted on it. I would have been. Yeah, you'd have mm-hmm. been sick. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's a, that's a, that's a, uh, strat- that's an industry that's going to take a hit. Uh, Airbnb is another industry. Like I talked mm-hmm. about, we met, the, we met somebody in L.A. last summer. This dude had L.A. I mean, he had... 11 Airbnbs in LA. He said it was all ranging from like 25, 3,000 up. And, uh, oh, wow. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, I know they ain't really moving right now. And he's still exactly. Gonna, still got to make that payment every month. And those were the same people that were saying, oh, it's recession proof because everybody yeah. always going to travel. Yeah. <laughs> you know, people. <laughs> right. They always say, right. Pandemic proof. Like, and even exactly. though. A, a pandemic might not never happen again in our lifetime, but still, you never know. <laughs> you never know, exactly. And, <laughs> yeah, and the crazy thing is, a lot of people were um, were talking about their businesses, like posting these courses and saying, like, you know, no matter what, this is the only business that's going to survive. A lot of them are taking a hit, and it's, mm-hmm. and it's really crazy. 
that's crazy. Yeah. That's crazy. But also, I feel like we kind of need, just, especially as entrepreneurs, I know like everybody can get a little too comfortable sometimes. So I think we yeah. stressful situations to really see what you made of, you know, every now and then. Exactly. Some people right. needed to be humbled. Yeah, that too. That too. That too. <laughs> Some people need to be home. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's yeah. Because if you think, and that's the bad thing, if you think you always gonna be on top, you never know what's gonna feel. You know, you're not gonna know what it feels like to be on the bottom. So when you do hit rock bottom, like no, you're not preparing for rock bottom, obviously, because you always think you're gonna be at the top. That's what. Like that's why mm-hmm. I, I, I tweeted this. I'm like, that's why. The people shouldn't have been really bragging about like they they big wins, whether it's like uh investing or stock mm-hmm. related. Like it was a it was the the market was booming for real. Mm-hmm. And the other thing too, like right now, I know a lot of before I was into real estate, I had a lot of friends that were bartenders, party promoters, all of that, you know, crazy lifestyle. They're all taking a hit right now because no bars are open, no right. nothing is open. I actually was talking to my dad just now. One of his favorite spots, um, one of his favorite uh, bars, actually just got their liquor license taken away here in Philadelphia because they stayed open during COVID, during the whole COVID restriction. That's running you $100,000, $200,000 just to get that, get that license here in Philly. It's so hard to get a liquor license in Philly. So a lot of people are definitely taking a hit. Yeah. Man, man, that's crazy. But let me let me ask you this though. Mm-hmm. I want to talk about like with you being a, a a woman in real estate. What do you think? How how has that been for you? Do you think it's been more beneficial, or has it been like on the other side of that? Um, I think it's been pretty beneficial. Um, it's crazy because here, especially in Philly, there's a lot of men that respect the women um that's in real estate here in philly because you know we got some killers out here (laughs) so um yeah so um a lot of men definitely respect the women um that are that are in real estate the other thing when we talking about wholesaling and talking to sellers and stuff like that talking to homeowners people prefer to use women to do that because they have a softer tone they're more empathetic they're you know, they have, they're able to have a conversation. Sometimes men, they just want to get straight to the point. They don't want to listen to talk about your problem. Right. So um, for that part, you know, definitely women are a golden piece to that. Um, but when we talking about contractors, <laughs> when we talking about getting prices, <laughs> you know, it's, a, it's a different story because for me personally, it, I got two things. Like one, um young. I'm black and I'm a, a woman. So mm-hmm. a guy, for example, I have this property right now that I'm fixing. Um, I'll talk more about, but basically that the, there's a tree growing in the back. This guy quoted me like an astronomical price, like literally like $12,000. He quoted me to get the, um, to get the tree taken what? out. Exactly. $12,000. <laughs> and yeah. And so I'm like, all right, whatever. So I had my my business partner go find somebody else. He found somebody else, not the same guy, somebody else. Do charge him twenty five hundred to get the tree out. I'm like, all right, cool. I'll take the twenty five hundred. But like, really, like, yes, yes. So uh, it's it's crazy. So a lot of people, you know, they think you don't know about construction, and they mm-hmm. think you don't know about real estate or. You know, they think because you're young, you haven't been doing it for 20-something years, that you don't know shit. 
all right, I know a little something. You know what I mean? I, I know a little something. So being a woman has its advantages because, you know, um, like I said, you could talk to sellers, you could be a chameleon, you can talk to um, different people and, and mingle. But um, when it comes to things like contractors, they might try to get over on you. So that's, for me, that's the only thing contractors might try to get over on you. But for the most part, there's a level of respect for women in respect. real estate, in my opinion. There's yeah. a lot of women killing it right now. It's a lot of, yeah. and I love I love to hear that, me personally. I just love to hear women in there killing it, doing their thing. Yeah. That's super dope to me. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. So uh, kind of moving into fix and flips, can you kind of talk to us about how you got started in that and um, just kind of go over like what the process looks like for that? Yeah, perfect. So basically with the fix and flip, right? For me, I had I had to kind of hack my way into into doing that, mainly because so with this whole wholesaling thing, remember I told you guys I built a lot of connections. So when I would um sell properties to investors, I would follow up with them to go see what the houses look like, right? Mm-hmm. They'll say, "Look, you know, I got this done. I got um I got the finishes on this uh, property. This is where I got my towel from. This is where I got my flooring from. So I'm gathering all this information from the buyers, right? Now, one of my cash buyers ended ended up becoming my partner, right? My uh, business partner. So we had a deal where I basically found a deal and I could have made a substantial amount of profit. But I told him, I said, look, with this specific property, what is, is actually my pin property with this specific property. What I want to do is, um, I want to, uh, I want to learn about the construction process. Like Mm -hmm. I want to be like, I want to be a flipper eventually just like you. Mm -hmm. So, um, basically I traded like my fee for equity in the deal. Basically that's what I did with that one. So from that process, I kind of managed like partly managed the whole thing. Like, went to go visit it, met with the contractors, talked to them, things like that. So I understood the, the, the fix and flick process process. And we did about three more after that partnering up where I found the deal. Um, and right now I'm working on my own, like my full own, uh, with my first capital. So I didn't have to use a lot of my capital investment. I just literally used my relationships back to that relationships. I just, told my buyer, listen, I will get you these properties if you just show me the game. And that's, and you know, I, I don't care about the, the check right now. Give me the check on the back end and just show me exactly um, how I could flip these houses. And then in turn, in, in the same way of uh, me learning, he would make me be the person that was managing it. So I would go and look at these properties and look at the contractors and say, look, this is not done or um, we need to get this done, or the, these flooring, you know, the flooring is coming in this day, and we need to get this painted by this time, so um, basically building my own relationships as well with the contractors, how to talk to them, how to negotiate with the contract, because that's a whole other thing, negotiating with them, <laughs> like, you know, you can negotiate with the sellers, but he, you know, he taught me, now when you negotiate with the contractors, it's a whole different thing, so um, definitely uh, uh did a lot of that building partnerships with him. We did partnerships. And right now I'm working on one where I'm using upfront, I'm funding the whole rehab cash right now with a property. 
That's why. And the, the one you got in your pen tweet, y'all snapped on that one. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. We uh-huh. we definitely snapped. And the la- and the last one too. We um that's one we just sold. I don't know if you saw it, but um I'll I'll retweet it so you guys can see it. That that thing got about fifty thousand uh likes on that one. I don't think I said no. I don't think I seen it. Yeah, yeah, I gotta show you guys that one. But um we snapped on that one. It was a whole uh four story deck in the back, just hardwood floors, crazy, crazy uh situation. That's bought at th- yeah, bought at thirty five, fixed that uh fixed it up for seventy, sold at two hundred. So that's and are you uh are you using your own capital or are you using like uh credit or different things like that to fund the project? We use so um sometimes we use our own capital and then sometimes we use hard money lenders. We have our own in-house hard money lender that we use okay. that give us the best rates. So um we get projects done like literally in like seven weeks. So we getting it done oh, so fast. Good. Yeah, seven to eight weeks. We getting it done so fast to the point where um we move with like crazy urgency. We getting it done so fast where, you know, the holding costs, they're, they're not too bad. You know, they're not right. sitting. And Philly is a hot market, to be honest. Mm-hmm. So some houses, they're, you know, sitting on the market for maybe 60 days at best. Um, so that's, that's, that's the beauty of it, too. And, you know, and the other thing, too, is if the house doesn't sell within a certain time frame, because what we like to do is test the market. So we got the house for sale. Okay, cool. But Let's try to find a tenant too. And you know, within a certain time frame, if if the house doesn't sell, we're gonna um, put a tenant in there, like a Section Eight tenant. Yeah, that that, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. That's smart, man. That who, your con your contractors based on the work I've seen, they they killing it, man. Yeah, yeah exactly. And and you know, always building too, like always finding new people, always mm-hmm. stopping people to. Um, my business partner always like make me get out when we ride together you make me get out the car to go talk to the contractor first like you know just you know you got to have those relationships with people that push you to do things that make you you, you uncomfortable because um when you on your own you won't know how to do it so um yeah we definitely talk to contractors that uh that are just working on uh, properties in philadelphia because always you always got to build your team just yep. like for example the guy that i just talked about that charged me you know twelve thousand for the tree um, I want to have three other tree guys that I could always call. <laughs> you know, yeah, to 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 compare the numbers. Like we mm-hmm. always, we always, we always tell people, like, man, contractors is one of the, one of the most important things because they gonna make a they gonna make a break the project, whether it's mm-hmm. a rental or or flip. They are gonna make a break like everything. A bad contractor, how you pissed off and you know what I'm saying ruin could them they ruin everything, but a great one could. Hey, a, a great one can run you run you up some money. You know what I'm exactly. saying? Exactly. If they if they do it right, they could they could make you a lot of money. Like it's this it's this uh it's this book. I forgot the name of the book. And Donald Trump got a quote in there. And don't kill. Uh, hey, don't kill the message. So have y'all feel no, about but it. you know he got yeah. some gems. He got some gems. Like he said, like I could be uh misquoting it, but basically what he said, he was saying like a good contractor could be the difference. From you having a, a ten thousand property to a hundred thousand property, yeah, hundred thousand property into a five hundred thousand mm-hmm. dollars property, and so on and so on. And I'm like, that's 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 super real. Like mm-hmm. in the real estate, a, a good contract is everything. That's why you always got to be like pretty much interrogating to find when you find one to find out because there's a lot exactly. of bad ones out here. Exactly, here <laughs> in 
Philadelphia, that's the thing. Yeah, we had a lot of different little stories, like of people walking out on a job, never coming back. Um, you know, they were supposed to come this day to do finish up a cat a closet or something like that, or finish up a cat, putting in the cabinets, and we never hear from them. They go back to Puerto Rico, Mexico. It's just a whole lot. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. It's a lot of best, a lot of bad ones. So you always got to, yeah. you know what I'm saying, making sure. Then you got some that just be subcontracting where they might be charging you a good 25, 30% more. Exactly. I had that done to me with a demo. Yes, I definitely had that done. I'm thinking it's him doing it. He's charging me up. I'm, I was so pissed. This, uh, that's another story. Yeah, that's the thing you got to be like, if you got the money and you don't mind, okay, cool. But if you ain't, if you on a tight budget, you got to make sure, like, that's why you got to always get running numbers with other people just to compare. Because some people mm-hmm. could hit you over the head. And if you just go with that first number, mm-hmm. hey, who knows? But what, what, you want to say something? Yeah, I was going to ask you, um, so when you're getting ready you know, to get started on your project and you're really trying to get, you know, top dollar for the house, what are some certain features you can add into it to really increase the value? Well, obviously, you know you want to have coarse countertops, things like that. Mm-hmm. The 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 hardwood floors, you want to have the the fixtures on point, like those modern, I can't even think of the names, but literally you could go on Amazon and search certain light fixtures that just look more modern, like certain things that will make the house look as, I don't want to say modern, but pop as much as possible. And the other thing too is like, I'm not going to go into detail of what exactly we use, but because every area has like different level of rehab of what they do. What I'll say is what you can, what you can do is you can look on the market, look at different houses that sold for top dollar. Right. So you're looking at those houses. How does their house look? You know, look at the description. Does the description say hardwood floors, um, coarse countertops, this tile, you know, um, HVAC, things like that. Like look at the description and see what they listed their, um, with the house, what they listed as a description in the house, and what did they use for their house? So now you know people f- for this dollar amount, for this, you know, 200000 people are willing to pay for this type of material right here. So you definitely want to look at the houses that are selling, like if you're in a specific market, you want to look at the houses and you're, or you're about to flip in that market. What the, your comparables that you're already looking at because you're analyzing the deal, what does your comps look like? The mm. highest comp, what does that look like? What is what the people want? Because somebody might look at that house that already sold and say, ooh, I wish I had that. Or, I wish I bought that house because, you know, it had X, Y, and Z in it. So you definitely want to, depending on your market, you definitely want to compare what's already on the market and what's already sold. And look at how fast it sold. Did it sell within 30 days, within 60 days? Oh, that's a house I need to try to, you know, replicate a little bit. Because you don't have to, uh, cre- create a new will, you know, reinvent the will. What they say, reinvent the will. Yeah, as they say. Yeah. yeah, you don't have to, you know, reinvent the will. You know, I'm not saying be a copycat, you know what I mean? But at the same time, you want to look at what other people do to say, you know what, this house sold for 200000 They got hardware floors. They got those countertops. They got stainless steel appliances. You know what? Obviously, those are the key things right there, like the stainless steel appliances and things like that. But um, I need to make my house look, look at least similar to that. 
you know, I need to make sure that my house is top notch. Um, and that's, to, to me, that's just one of the keys right there. Looking at your current market, what houses are, are, are looking for, that are selling for top dollar and trying to replicate what they did. It don't have to be the same design. You know, you don't have to do the same exposed brick as everybody else does. But you definitely want to look at what the people want. You know, right. even if you're talking to realtors, even if you talk to realtors, you say, what are some of the best houses that you sold? You know, what do they look like? What, what are your buyer clients saying? Because if this is a realtor that's going to sell your flip, you can say, what are some of your buyer clients saying about properties in this specific area? You know, what are the houses that you're showing? Are they good houses? Are they bad? Do you need new inventory? Because I'm fixing something and I want to get generate some ideas. So that's, that's super important. And, you know, just following the right people on social media. Yeah. If you're following somebody on social media, they did a good rehab, ask them, what are, what are the materials you use? They'll, you know, so, I mean, you can ask me, you know, you could DM me, my, but other people might charge you a fee. I don't know, right. <laughs> you, you know, know, but you know, you definitely want to, you know, extract the information from the right people. Yeah. So I would start there. Yeah. And there's nothing I want people to know when it comes to real estate, it's nothing wrong with replicating what somebody else did. Exactly. Like, like you could go on the block, a new like up like block that they rehabbed all the properties, and you will see most of the properties look the same. And that's you know what I'm saying that, that's just what understanding that mm-hmm. that's what people like, that's what people want, and they all yeah because. And a lot of people try to do different things, and I learned this from my business partner too. But at the same time, when you do something different, that will might that might put you at a risk. I mean. You know, you could go with your gut and, and do it, but it might put you at a risk because um, let's say you just literally don't get nobody that want, you know, purple walls or something like that. You can't think about what you want, you know, right. you houses, you're not living there. You got to think about other people. So it's, it's about getting a general consensus. Like you can't go wrong with like white or, you know, lightly gray walls, or things gray, like that. Certain, yeah, certain colors you just can't go wrong with. So you definitely want to look at, look at those things. And not try to be too too different. <laughs> and also, uh, doing that helps drive the property. Once you follow like that, you know, kind of similar plan that the other properties on the block are doing, it helps mm-hmm. drive the property values up and maintain them. You know, as long as everybody. Yes. Mhm. That's important. Oh, and also going to the open houses. So now you see the houses right. for yourself. Yeah. I meant yeah. to say that too. Go to the open houses. Definitely want to. Um, Definitely want to uh, see what houses look like in person to yep. see how quality the work really is. <laughs> thanks, thanks. Uh, another question I got for you, um, you know, even though the real estate market really hasn't taken a hit just yet, but people are expecting it to um, go down over the next few months. Do you think still doing fix and flips will be a good investment in a down market or like what's your strategy for that? Um. So, Right, yeah, as of right now, we can't really tell whatever. Right. Uh, me and my partner's uh, strategy, and I say me and my partner because that's a lot of who I do business with because you know I still have my nine to five and things like that. Mm-hmm. So, um, but our you know, our strategy is that we'll still do our whole test the market thing in the event that there's still buyers out there, but we'll be ramping up our tenant pool to say we got enough tenants to that's ready to uh rent. Because, right. you know, in the event that it's over, excuse me, in, in the event it's oversupply, we want to make sure we have enough tenants ready available. Yeah. So um, I think it's just about being versatile. There's, there may be people that still want to buy property and 
the damn market. I, I can't personally say that there won't be, but um, if there isn't, you know, you still want to be versatile where, all right, you know, I got enough tenants, Section 8 tenants, um, especially because that's what a lot we do. We do Section 8 um, tenants. I don't have a Section 8 rental. That's what my partner does. Excuse me. That's what I mean. My partner does a lot of Section 8 rentals. So, um, and we have an in-house leasing agent that does all of that. So we already have a tenant pool already of people waiting for new rentals. So that's kind of what we're preparing for, but it's just all about being versatile. Like, so in the event that, you know, nobody's buying, okay, we got enough tenants that are looking to rent, you know, keep collect, keep collecting that data. Like I said earlier with the buyers, you know what I mean? You want to keep collecting data of people. Everybody that you meet might be a client, a lead, a, a tenant, a buyer, a seller. Who knows? Right. So I know somebody that is. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Let me let me uh, ask you this. So what, what you think is the most difficult part of flipping? So to me, the most difficult part is that whole situation with the contract. With the contract, getting that. contract. Yeah, yeah. And you know what? To be fair, like even with me doing it, um, when I'm doing it right now by myself, I'm doing one right by myself. I, you know, I'm not partnering up with nobody. I told my partner, I'm going to do this one on my own. Um, definitely the scheduling and getting that, um, getting your financing right. You know, mm-hmm. getting that, getting that, getting the money in, into play because um, with this particular deal, I just literally bought it and I'm like, I'm going to just figure it out later. <laughs> so like I ain't do no I'm not doing no hard money nothing I'm just using my own cash now that's not how you want to do things you want to before you buy a deal you want to have your financing already lined up so it's definitely that's the important part your financing and managing and finding contractors Mm. yeah that's good and Mm -hmm. I also want to talk about your uh, ebook let's go let's go into that real quick well how I bought a house for a hundred dollars Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I was, I was about to say, when are they going to talk about the hundred dollars house? Because <laughs> <laughs> everybody always asks me, like, how the heck did you do that? But man, basically, so what I did was, I was literally, I had a driving for dollars list. For those that don't know, driving for dollars when you drive around the neighborhood and you look for um, properties that look distressed, vacant. Um, so I had a list of properties like that. Um, at the time I had someone I was mentoring, I'm still mentoring her now. I had, uh, I had someone I was mentoring and I told her, I said, listen, call this list. Um, it's a bunch of, you know, vacant properties. Just see if they want to sell. She sent me a whole bunch. Now that was a really good list to be honest. Out of like 200, we got like 10 leads. So, um, so out of that, um, I locked up, I locked up like five contracts out of that. Uh, whole list right now the the hundred dollar house basically she was a lady that said I don't know what the house is worth I live in Maryland you know I just want to get rid of it so when the my mentee told me that I was like oh she just want to get rid of it you know what let me talk to her so then once I talked to the lady I told her um I looked up her taxes and everything excuse me before I looked before I called her I looked up how much she owed in taxes and how much she owed in water found out that she owed about 15,000 in, in taxes and water. The house as is, is worth like 25. It's a shell. Um, so it's a, it's a house that needs a full rehab. So if I wholesale it, okay, cool. We can wholesale it for 25, make 10 grand. Cool. Now I told the lady, I said, look, 
you you said you want to get rid of it. Okay, cool. You don't live in the, um you don't live in Philly anymore. I don't think you're gonna net that much because you owe so many liens. <laughs> I say for real, for real, you might net like a hundred dollars. <laughs> like that's basically what I told her. Like she's not gonna net that much. And you know, I said you want to get rid of it, so you might be walking away with only like a hundred dollars. That's really what I told her. So she didn't care. She was like, all right, cool. I'm fine with that. So I put it in the contract for $100 and I had a couple other properties in the contract. So I'm not worried about this house. I actually don't care about this house. I didn't care about wholesaling it because for real, for real, to be honest, that 25000 it might've been a push because the house, this is the house with the tree, actually. <laughs> the house, <laughs> excuse me, this is the house with the tree. The house actually, um, it probably would have been more so worth 20000 So um, in reality, we would have been netting like $2,000. So after all the fees would have been associated with it. So I wasn't too hype about this house. So I said, you know what, let me just at least get a title search done just to see what's on the um, title. So if there's any crazy stuff, I'm going to just let this property go. So I'm working on my other properties. Now the title comes back for this $100 house. The $100 house has no liens, no nothing. All my other properties where I'm making... 15 10 5 7 have liens and all these issues <laughs> so i'm like so annoyed with those properties now this property that i won't make that much if i wholesaled it um has no liens so i'm like you know what what if i just bought it like it's, a, it's under contract for 100 but let's say i don't even pay for the the, the back taxes and the liens what if i just take it like subject to so I put the house basically, I bought the house basically subject to existing taxes and liens and the house is in the LLC right now. Mm. So it's not like in my personal name. It, right. it doesn't even matter. I could sell the LLC or sell the house, whatever I want to do if in the event that I don't um, want to have the house. So I bought the house basically subject to existing taxes and water. That was about 15, 16,000. The house is worth 20, 25 if best. And um, yeah, the lady walked away with a hundred dollars at closing. She wasn't even at closing, actually. She was. We had the overnight. Yeah, she was super motivated. That's why I keep telling people you got to find people super motivated. I actually talked to a lady um, like a week ago. She basically said the same thing to me. Like she ready to sell the house. She just want to walk away with fifteen hundred. So I'll probably, you know, do the same, <laughs> do the same thing with her. You know, but. Um, a lot of those houses, you know, they're beat up. So you got to, you know, it's not some house that you could just walk in and live in. They're beat up. I just told y'all about the tree issue. Um, I got the house demoed. It's about to get framed up. I need the roof done. You know, there's a lot of things that have to go into the house. But it definitely was a $100 house. You know what I mean? I had to pay for closing costs and that's it. Man, that's crazy. <laughs> right. I know what you're going to get out of real estate sometimes. No, that's facts. That's you really never know. But but for people that that's interested in the ebook, where can where can they get it? Oh, my ebook is on my Twitter account. Um, it's in the link in my in my bio, and it's it's right there. All they got to do is click a hundred dollar house ebook. <laughs> and I also have an ebook on being an investor and working a full time job. And go and for people that's listening, y'all make sure y'all go get those ebooks, especially if you in the. Uh, a similar situation right now where you're trying to maintain both. And yeah, because you definitely, if you lose your job, you want to at least have a backup. And you know what I mean. 
Like yeah. I have either or. If real estate slows up, yeah. I got my job. If my job is going, I have my real estate money. So you definitely want to be versatile in all your investments. You want to be. Yeah, that's why I always tell people that that tell me like, man, I'm thinking about quitting my job. I'm like, bro, if your job not stressing you out to the point where you losing peace of mind. And you, mm-hmm. you and you can deal with it, and you still got your your side hustle. Just main, just maintain both until your side hustle making enough bread to where you know what I'm saying. You don't really need that job income no more. But so many times, people just leave early. They 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 think entrepreneurship is some cute, some cute, but they just gonna do. And just yeah, you're not working a nine to five with entrepreneurship. You working nine to. A six a.m. to six a.m. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, so that's why I try to tell people all the time, like, man, the smartest way to do it, and it's probably like people don't talk about it enough. The smartest way to do it is to have your job for real. Mm-hmm. Why are you doing mm-hmm. your other other hustles? Exactly. Right now, like my girlfriend, she wants to leave her job, but she's not gonna leave it. She waiting until we pay off our car, we pay off everything. You know what I mean? That's smart. Like. It's, it's no reason we should have any debt and leave our job. It's right. just no reason. Facts. Now that's, that's heavy that's right there. Mm-hmm. That's really, you should, right, if you don't leave your job, make sure you got uh, some money stacked up, money coming in, and no debt. Mm-hmm. That's the best like way to that. start. <laughs> exactly. That's, that's the best way to start, man. Yeah. Oh, and by the way, with that $100 house, um, I didn't even mention, I just realized, and I said that the house owes uh, 60000 in liens, 16000 in liens, those liens are getting negotiated with the city. I had a court date. Yeah, I had a court date with the city before COVID-19, but COVID-19 hit and I, and I didn't have it. So I'm in the process of getting that knocked down because here in Philadelphia, if you bought a house and it had taxes on it, you can go to the city and say, hey, I, I can't afford to pay the taxes. And basically they'll knock it down like literally by half or almost the, the I think the interest in uh, penalties or something like that, they'll knock like most of it down, so. I might get it knocked down to like five thousand. So, pray for me. <laughs> yeah, I'm not just gonna go up and and pay it, but you know what I mean. They're definitely lenient with trying to knock down some of those uh penalties. Yeah, oh, I, I think it'll work out for you. I'm, I'm hope I'm gonna pray it work out for you. <laughs> Appreciate right. that. Right. I like that you said that part because it's like that's why it's so important to do your research and just be up on your knowledge and real estate game because not knowing that you know a lot of people to just look the other way and say you know just forget this deal. So having mm-hmm. information and being up on you know each different sector of real estate, you can really get creative and make things happen. Yeah, appreciate that. Yeah, right before I did it. Um, I just knew I had to talk to a lot of different people that either experienced it, that talked to the city. I had to call the city myself to say, hey, is this process possible? Um, so I had to, you know, I had to do talk to the title companies, the title company telling me, yeah, you can buy your subject to existing to existing taxes and liens and things like that. So I had to do a lot of research before I um, dove right into just doing it. So it's, it's like you said, it's really important. Mm-hmm. And my my last question for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, so for people that's always like asking this a question like this, especially right now, what's going on? So for that young person that's listening to this, and they probably at a rough patch, you know what I'm saying? When it comes to finances, they 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 going through it. What would be your best piece of advice to them right now? Find the ugliest house on your blocks. Like I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, nah, man. It's literally you have to leverage everybody. Um, you have to leverage everything around you right now. So, for example, I made a tweet before and I said, um, 
you know, if you follow the right people, you'll be investing in real estate stocks, starting businesses, staying at your nine to five, because that's the truth. Mm. If you literally just from social media, I learned, you know, so much from you guys, from other people. So I think the first step is, it sounds real cliche, but following the right people on social media. <laughs> so you can literally see if you're on this podcast mm. right now, you're already in the right step. So that's a good thing. <laughs> so that's first. That. <laughs> yeah. So that's, that's first. The second thing is you want to know exactly what you want to do. So obviously you go on YouTube university. If I, if you hear me talking about wholesale real estate and it sounds interesting to you, go on, go on YouTube right now and look up wholesale real estate and, and what it, what it, what it's about. Um, if you hear about me, you know, taking on a house subject to go learn about subject two on YouTube or, buy my ebooks i cover those topics you know i cover those topics briefly but um you definitely want to do your research you want to read forums you want to um follow the right people and you want to uh you want to go on places like youtube and things like that so i think just educating yourself anytime if you're listening to the podcast and you hear something that interests you write it down take notes and just go research it later on and then eventually if you have the means if you have Mm. the money to pay for an ebook, if you have the money to pay for a course from somebody reputable that has reviews and things like that, then go pay for it. So then you can get even more knowledge and not just knowledge, but access to the person. Mm-hmm. Because anybody that buys any of my products, they can, they can write to me, screenshot yeah. that they bought it and I DM them and, and say, Hey, you know, cool. You know, I'll answer any question you have. Cause I, I have to be honest. I don't want to be a course person. I don't yeah I don't want to be a course person I don't I got my two little ebooks I might drop another book more so on flipping but besides that I don't want to be a course person so if you have a question I will give you the game just like I was telling you all about all the negotiation stuff I talk about all that stuff in products but I don't care you know what I mean because that's we we don't make our money from that so That's the the uh, we the same way when it comes to course. Like that's what we, most of our, most of our clients whenever they purchase something for us, it's like a it's always a relationship afterwards where they can hit yeah. us whenever. You know what I mean? So that's I'm 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 more pro that pro going that route as well. Yeah, and I don't and I want to say I don't uh you know fault anyone for having right 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 <laughs> right. I don't want to yeah. fault anyone for having a course. I just don't want to be a course person because sometimes it get right now we had a time where it's getting misconstrued where it's getting like guru is getting spammy and then it's getting like scammer i I can't deal with that i want y'all to know i'm a real person right yeah it's too it's too and it's so easy for you know i'm saying for stuff to get like you said get misconstrued because there's so much Mm -hmm. going on where it's like so you don't never want to you we just want to do you at the end of the day whatever you think fits best for your for you your personality your vision just do that go that route yeah i don't even want to deal with people like chargebacks and all those type of right i don't even want to deal with customer service (laughs) right no for real for real (laughs) hey that's a real (laughs) (laughs) i don't want to deal with none of that yeah yeah, that's a a whole that's a whole another topic But before we let you go, we just want to say we appreciate you for coming yeah. on. For real, this was this was super dope, man. Uh, we super happy. Yeah, this was fun. Yeah, really appreciate. Yeah, and before we let you go, do you mind plugging in all your stuff where people can find you, follow you, purchase products, all this stuff? Just want to say I appreciate you guys for giving me the opportunity to share my story. 
Um, you guys were great. The one of the best hosts I've ever encountered. Um, and I do listen to your podcast. It's, it's really good content. So keep listening, guys, if you're listening right now. But so you can follow me on uh, Twitter. I am Millestate with an underscore, and you can follow me on Instagram. I am Millestate. Cool. And that's that's all we got for you. Once again, we appreciate you for coming on. We'll definitely be uh, keeping in touch and chopping it up with you soon. All right, cool. You guys have a good Friday. Um, and stay safe and healthy. You too, fam. You too. All right. You too. Bye. Bye. Well, that was another episode of the Men in the Mindsets podcast. And then wrapping up, for those who don't know, I'm your host, Xavier. And you can follow me at uh, Xavier C. Miller on Instagram, Twitter. And B, what's your info? Y'all can follow me on Instagram at Deanna Kent and Twitter is Deanna S. Kent. We appreciate y'all for tuning in to another episode. We see you guys next episode. Peace. Hey, turn me up some. Gotta get your brain right if you're trying to make a million dollars. If you ain't gonna do it for yourself, then do it for your mama. Only stay surrounded by them people if you know they solid. Elevate your hustle up today to double up your profit. Trying to learn some game, Xavier gonna talk about it. No, Deanna, speak that shit that everybody vouches. Ain't no more excuses valid. Get up off the couch and get up in your bag. To your bank account, need an accountant. I study millionaires because I was born a visionary. You still believe in limitations? Why you acting scary? You can't distract me from the paper I've been Chase of greatness. I'm stacking now and balling later in the conversation. We strategizing, monetizing, piling up investments and sacrificing temporary sh- for bigger blessings. Yeah, a tapped in boss mind state. I multiply my grind rate and I match the way I vibrate. Gotta get your brain right if you're trying to make a million dollars. If you ain't gonna do it for yourself, then do it for your mama. Only stay surrounded by them people if you know they solid. Elevate your hustle up today to double up your profit. Trying to learn some game, Xavier gonna talk about it. No, Deanna speak that shit that everybody vouching. Ain't no more excuses valid. Get up off the couch and get up in your bag. To your bank account, need an accountant.